listen as Dr. Glenn Pierce discusses challenges associated with AAV as a tool for delivering therapeutic transgenes from the National Hemophilia Foundation's 15th workshop on novel technologies and gene transfer for hemophilia. All of the current trials are using AAV, adeno-associated virus. They're using different serotypes, but it's worth pointing out that AAV is not the be-all, end-all virus to be delivering therapeutic transgenes for disease. AAV was discovered as a passenger with adenovirus and herpes virus infections. Those can cause the common cold, upper respiratory infections, AAV has been found to be non-pathogenic, but we do make antibodies to it, and that's one of the major problems. The fact that we make antibodies to AAV, these antibodies can last for a long period of time, and so depending on the serotype, different populations are anywhere from 20 to 60 or 70 percent seropositive to different AAV serotypes. There have been about seven or eight AAV serotypes that have been the workhorses for gene therapy, and they're largely derived from primates, uh, non-human primates, as well as human isolates. And that means that there's a high risk that we have antibodies. The other important point to make about AAV is that all of these serotypes are like cousins. They're closely related to one another in amino acid sequence. So if we've been infected with AAV2 as a child, we may be able to detect antibodies to AAV8, AAV10, AAV9, and we may not have been infected to those, but the antibodies are cross-reactive because we were infected by AAV2 and vice versa. And so this kind of widespread pre-existing immunity means that a number of patients won't be eligible for clinical trials. The goals are to try to identify ways to mitigate that problem, but so far, nothing that has really proved to be clinically feasible has emerged. There's one AAV, AAV5, that is a goat. Its primary host is goat, and it's farthest removed in its amino acid sequence from the other primate AAVs, and so there's less seroprevalence for that. And two groups working on both factor eight and factor nine are utilizing that vector. And so that's one approach toward getting to a broader population. But the problem of AAV seroprevalence has not yet been solved. And that makes AAV a challenging virus to work with if part uh, or even up to half the population needs to be eliminated from receiving treatment. AAV has other difficulties along the way. It is difficult to package a factor eight into AAV. It's one of the smallest viruses uh, that has been identified, and therefore it can only contain a certain amount of genetic material. It contains two genes normally. Those two genes are taken out and the factor nine or factor eight are put in. Factor nine fits very well, but the factor eight doesn't fit that well. And so that's also been a challenge for the efficiency of expression for AAV. There are a number of efforts underway to try to create an AAV that our immune systems don't recognize, but that has proved to be a very difficult very difficult challenge and has not yet succeeded despite 
the efforts of multiple groups using multiple different kinds of technologies. In the future, I think that AAV is likely to be replaced, and it'll be replaced perhaps by another viral vector or a non-viral vector. Other viral vectors that have been utilized in gene therapy include lentivirus, which is a gutted HIV type of virus, and that's a retrovirus that integrates into the genome. And by doing so, then it causes a permanent correction in the cell. That's a potential advantage over AAV, which is largely non-integrating. There may be some integration, but most of it remains outside of the chromosomes. And so is potentially lost as cells divide. With lentivirus, the gene is integrated and will last the lifetime of the cell and will be present in progeny cells as well. So there's work ongoing by at least two or three groups that are in advanced preclinical testing now for delivering the factor eight gene via lentiviral vectors. And that will represent an alternative clinical strategy. On the non-viral vector side, that's been much more difficult to get the kinds of efficiencies that we see with viral vectors. Viruses have been infecting vertebrate cells since there were vertebrates, four or 500 million years. And so they have evolved systems to efficiently infect our cells, including human cells. Can we replicate that with a non-viral vector? Can we make lipid envelopes, put our gene inside, and get those lipid envelopes to be taken up by hepatocytes? Well, the answer is yes, but not very efficiently. A number of groups are making progress toward much more efficient use of lipid nanoparticles, LNPs, or lipid bilayers that can contain the gene and get it to the target hepatocyte. I don't see any clinical trials imminently on the horizon for that, unfortunately, but I do think it's an area of active investigation and represents a way of getting around a number of the disadvantages of AAV, including the ability to do repeat dosing. We can't do repeat dosing with AAV because patients make a huge antibody response after receiving trillions or quadrillions of vector particles. However, with the lipid nanoparticles, those are non-immunogenic. We won't make antibodies to those, and therefore they would be useful for redosing. That's potentially important because if a patient gets 10% factor 9 or factor 8, one may be able to boost that patient along the way. I spoke of the variability um, before. Durability is another challenge with the AAV. And so these kinds of approaches, lentivirus and lipid nanoparticles, represent ways of dealing with both variability and durability. Looking for education on gene therapy and hemophilia? Visit www.genetherapy.isth.org, an educational resource designed by leading experts for the global hemophilia community to help you stay abreast of the evolving science and latest clinical advancements in gene therapy and hemophilia.